Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. This is Perry Clark with you, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I want to welcome you back to another episode, which I hope you're going to enjoy. But first off, we got to remind everyone that this podcast is not a, a replacement for mental services. You should definitely speak with a therapist or mental health professional in your area to speak about your unique issues. This podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. So where do we begin today? Now, in one of the upcoming podcasts, you're going to be speaking with uh, Monet Goldman, who is a therapist who works around video games. I identify very much as a gamer, but I also identify, too, as a nerd and a geek, which in our community sometimes is known as a blurred or a bleak. With that... That kind of comes because a lot of my interests growing up weren't what some would consider typical. And at the time, I was just more interested in the fantasy, which just made life bearable in multiple different ways. But as I've gotten older, I've come to realize just how much also I had issues with identity. And our guest today is someone who, when I first saw his work, I was very much amazed and started, hit the follow button, and very much was also grateful that he uh, agreed to come on and talk about this issue, which most people would not think about when it comes to dealing with our mental health. And especially now from the geek and uh Nerd, geek and nerd perspective, it would have a little more sense. But when we also bring in the aspect of our racial identities as BIPOC people, it takes a different switch to it. So today we're going to be talking with Demetrius Holt, aka Hellspawn Cosplay. Demetrius Holt has been cosplaying since 2017 and has done a number of characters that were personal to him, from Kratos to Sub Zero. But Demetrius is best known for his characterization of Afro-He-Man, but prefers to cosplay He-Man, which has also inspired the creation of a new He-Man character known as He-Soul, which, which debuted in April 2020 in the comic books. He also recently completed a Kickstarter to create a PSA aimed at educating Black children via his He-Man cosplay in, anime, in an animated form, which will be appearing soon on several streaming services. He has interviewed actors and composers for JVS YouTube channel. He's a branded ambassador for Black Heroes Matters and Figure This 3D. Currently, he's exploring acting. He's been featured in two cosplay magazines, Cosplay Zine and Cosplay Alliance magazine, as well as a men's health uh, article on his impact within cosplay as a black male in April 2021. But above all of those things, which he's very accomplished in, he's also the father of a two-year-old boy by the name of Kawhi, who, as he puts it, if he, he's making out there trying to make the money to make things matter for his son, but if those things aren't working, he'd rather be with his son. So let's give a big welcome to Demetrius Holt. Welcome to Untying Knots. Hi. <laughs> there was a lot there. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it was. But you've also been busy. And as we all, all say on some regards, you got your hustle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this week is, it's only Tuesday. I can't believe it. <laughs> um, <laughs> the different things I've got, I've got working on now is, is, is ridiculous as far as just the crunch and they might have uh, moving parts. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no doubt, no doubt. So, well, let's begin with the aspect of how did you find your way into cosplay? And for um, those who are wondering, cosplay means costume play. So, if you've ever been to like a any of the conventions, whether it's Star Trek to comic books, it is the some would say it is the folks that are running around in costumes that match those characters from that fandom. But please continue. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I got a divorce uh, back in 2017. Um, my ex-wife and I used to uh, uh, compete in the NPC uh, bodybuilding mm -hmm. competitions. And mm -hmm. when we got divorced in 2017, I needed to do something different other than that. Cause that was a, that's a, 
that's a team sport. It's if you especially have like, you know, a um a support system. Mm-hmm. And once that support system is no longer there, then it's no longer fun and it's kind of lonely. And you know, you just wanted to um someone to change venues, you know, you don't mm-hmm. want to be around the same people mm-hmm. that you were when you were married. So, you know, I um I got into cosplay because I had always been going to comic book conventions, but I never got into, you know, into costumes while going. Mm-hmm. And um the idea of, you know, if I'm going to do a costume, I'm going to do it, you know, hashtag full ass. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. my thing. You know, I'm, I'm going to go all the way mm-hmm. through with it. So my first cosplay was Kratos. So I shaved my head and, you know, got myself painted all white, you know, and ash and all that stuff. And, you know, I had a good time. Like I didn't know it was, I didn't know cosplay was a thing. I didn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mm-hmm. just thought, you know, people just went to costumes, you know, went, I mean, conventions and, and costume and that was it. I didn't know there was a whole community of people. Um, but the whole reason why I did Kratos is because I figured, you know, if you know the, the history of the character, um, his wife and his, his daughter's ashes were fastened to his skin um, by a witch. So the idea of if I went to the convention, did this thing for the first time and then come home and then wash that ashes off me or wash mm. those ashes off me then or the paint, then it would be like, you know, my my rebirth or me shedding the skin right of the of the of the past so mm-hmm. you know i didn't know it was gonna be like that poetic or whatever until someone that was told me like damn dude that that's it's kind of deep I'm like was it mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for those interested who are wondering who kratos is this is the character from the sony playstation game god of war yep um then and then after that some pictures got out and i got i saw some pictures i'm like oh that's, that's cool i think i can keep doing this and then um a friend of mine who is now or someone who i was not a friend of friend mm-hmm. first or her name was shirley she reached out and she said you know you know i i run a mortal Kombat group i was like oh yeah she's like yeah you know you should do one of the like characters like ermac or something and i'm like ah, we'll see and then i started thinking about sub-zero and i started thinking started doing deep dives into where i can get like the best kind of sub-zero costume and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. and that was like the start of me entering the community because mm-hmm. someone like or shooting me in you know mm-hmm. so yeah and and sub-zero has been a mainstay of mine for the last four years i've mm-hmm. evolved it in various ways and this year he's mixed with the with power with a power ranger um power coin situation so you know mm-hmm. I am a, i'm a part of a group called the um uh combat in the grid on instagram mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah like there's a, there's seven of us you know sub-zero scorpion um reptile Ermac, Smoke, and Noob Cybot. And mm-hmm. we're, we're all versions of like Power Rangers as far as the characters go. <clears throat> so definitely something for those to check out to see this blend of these two different fandoms and genres. Mm-hmm. And then you eventually at some point in this created uh, or put yourself into the He-Man outfit, which, oh. and if I can, I'm going to try and, I'm probably going to try and use that particular image because that was the one, first one I know I saw which okay. was you in that He-Man outfit with the fro. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that just made me stop way more than any of the other ones. Because, I mean, there's any number of guys running around doing He-Man. But mm-hmm. the fact there, this is He-Man with this fro. Just, I had to stop. And it's just like, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I made that when I was four, or at least the idea <laughs> of it was when I was four years old. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've always been a fan of He-Man. Like, I'm 37 years old. I don't, you know, some people are like, you know, I thought you were younger. Type of, no, I was born in 84. So, you know, when I grew up, it was all Transformers, He-Man, G.I. Joe, you know, mm-hmm. the classic stuff. Um, and honestly, like, it just, he always, the character always stuck with me. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it be the memes or whether it be just, you know, catching a, a random episode on YouTube or something. Like that. It was just, it was just always on my mind. And I did it first in at a Baltimore Comic Con 2018. Uh, mm-hmm. It was October, so it was a little chilly. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, 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 I, I just had the idea of it in my mind since I was like four. So there was no, um, there was no hard. I mean, I, I, I did enlisted the uh, the help from um, DK prop, uh, prop Shop, or his name is Dustin Kiska. He's the one who made the armor, as far as like the harness, the shield, and the, and the sword. Mm-hmm. um and the belt and i did the uh the boots and um the uh uh 
I don't call it a kilt. I don't want to call it a skirt. I mean, they loincloth. That's what mm-hmm. we call it. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, and like the Afro thing, I had a friend who, or, you know, a fellow cosplayer, um, she knew how to style a, a, an Afro. And mm-hmm. it was just, it just, it just came together. You know, I'm just glad that mm-hmm. I did it. Um, I was forced. I was not forced. I was, I was faced with the option of not doing it because, um, you know, I was with a, with a person who uh, was not all that secure with me in cosplay. So, you know, she didn't want me to do that one. She wanted me in Sub-Zero. And it was just, it was like, a, it was an argument the entire damn day. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and I eventually switched from He-Man into Sub-Zero, you know, to go. Well, multiple forms in the, over the course of the uh, convention. But yeah. you have just hit on at least two major elements of why this also was something that I very much wanted to talk about around the sense of mental health in the standpoint that this image of this character you've had since four. This has been an image that has been part of, I would almost say, sustaining you through life of being able to picture yourself in that aspect of power. One of the things we talk about in therapy at times is the classic statement of what would so-and-so do. So what with growing up, how many times there's those moments of thinking about what would your He-Man do in this situation as we grow up and having that sense running through our heads? So that's the first one, if you want to comment on that, and then I'll go into the second one. Uh, well, I don't know. Like, you know, you know how, like, okay, so the base of who I am has always mm-hmm. been like the, the stuff that I used to watch and also my parents, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, family and also that's how I was in the eighties, but you know, like I was inundated with a lot of other media growing up, you know, from the tsunami era to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, cause I, like, you know, bit torrents and then you're starting to figure out mm-hmm. what anime is and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like I've always had this image in the back of my mind. So uh, I've never really had the, the thought, you know, if I was this character, you know, what would I do? It was always, mm-hmm. it was always like, what do I need to do? Because I am in this situation and I know I have the ability to, to do what I need mm-hmm. to do. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that was something that was always in the back of my mind because, mm-hmm. you know, I have the power is that, is that catchphrase that caught all the kids back in the eighties. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm also a dare kid. So, <laughs> right. you know, right. I don't know. There's a lot of things that that stuck. But equally in that same point, and before I go into the second one is the fact that you are imagining yourself as this character. And for those who have never seen He-Man, this is a blonde, blue-eyed, white character. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess, see, that. the thing is, there's a couple people who would say that I have an ego, you know, Mm -hmm. a large Mm -hmm. ego, whatever that, you know. um, But then if, if, if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, then I would have to have some level of self-confidence to replace myself within the character I was seeing on television. I mean, mm-hmm. is that, I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm that's, not- that's a path to seeing it. I mean, I just put another example. If, if anyone remembers when the hunger games came out, that first move, the first movie, as well as um, the first Thor movie, when they replaced Hemdall, who by again, by Norris myth should be a white person with mm-hmm. Ibris Al- Albra. Or Rue happened to be a, which was, everyone had that mental picture of her as a small, white, probably blonde-headed girl. And we see that she is a, 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 a person of color, and they're upset. And that's that struggle that comes up with, how do we see ourselves in these stories? Or can we place ourselves in these stories when, yes, obviously the way the particular writer or the way they have imagined them in the characters is of a certain race mm-hmm. and especially in the aspect of children's uh, TV, how are we picturing ourselves when the predominant image of for all, for most, cause I'm a child of the eighties as well. We're all white. Mm-hmm. How often didn't we have the image of it's not chip running around with the Autobots. It's you and I running around with the Autobots. How would we have responded differently? Would we have responded the same way? And this becomes a standpoint of what I'm saying about the effect that it has on our mental image. Mm -hmm. And as we now recognize just how much that that representation matters in the images we're seeing for ourselves. 
Yeah. I, um, you don't realize that you need it until exactly it's in your face. So yeah. exactly. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I, I swear I did not think, I mean, I saw the snorks. I saw, I saw the Smurfs. I saw, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, I mm-hmm. saw every one of those characters as what they were, but not as white characters, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then I never saw myself as like, I'm, I might've saw myself, you know, running, you know, alongside Duke and GI Joe every now and then, mm-hmm. but you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I was, I was, I was uh, snake eyes. So. <laughs> Which, and, now that, and that leads into my second point in the standpoint of, again, we never know who Snake Eyes really is. Now, in the, in the comic signs, they do actually take him out, which I think they did make him white to blue eyed. And I think the most recent G.I. Joe Snake Eyes movie, which has Henry Golden mm-hmm. uh, Golding in it, has him being an Asian man. Mm-hmm. But of course, with that suit on, you know, have no idea. And that gets into that second point, which you were bringing up about the, the aspect of the of the person you were with having the issue with you being in He-Man versus in your uh, Sub-Zero costume. Here is the standpoint where, yes, you are attracting a lot of attention for the costume you're on, but also just the fact that you are a very handsome black man. Thank you. Um... And... Which gets into the issue of the, the fetishizing some that some people have uh, and that can happen for us, but also just that sense of here is, again, our representation. If you're in the Sub-Zero outfit, no one knows whether you're white or black or Asian. So at that point, there is a beauty to that, that we can put any of ourselves in those particular characters because of who's under the mask. But again, when we don't have those elements, we know one way or another how much of this character represents us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I admit this is, except I, I, I kind of regret it now, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, the Red Cross, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, on the chest, I, I regret not making it black. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, or just not just having an H on it, I regret that. But, mm-hmm. you know, everything else about it is unapologetically black. Exactly. And, and I and I never made it. I never made it black. I made it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I've always seen. So if if I if I'm represent if I'm representing black as as what I know it, then then hey, yeah, maybe that's why I identify with like the new Wonder Years, mm-hmm. <laughs> or mm-hmm. you know, or any other thing that um, that represents black people in a positive light. Like I do, mm-hmm. I do identify with that immediately. Right. And as you said, you were early in early in your cosplay career. So you have to, to make that initial connection. That's fine. If you were probably do it now, you probably would do uh, make a slightly different figure symbol on that chest. Yeah. You know, and, and now I'm starting to see a lot more afros, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in cosplay, which mm-hmm. wasn't something that um, that I saw when I first got in. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm glad that people are taking, you know, taking the torch and running with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel uh, there's this one guy who I know is really cool. He came out of nowhere with mm-hmm. uh, with a, an Afro Lionel. And I was like, <laughs> man, I was like, I was like, and it, it, it came almost like six months after I did my He Man. I was like, I I can I can appreciate the hustle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did he but, color it red? Yes, he did. Oh, but hey, <laughs> you started that. Yeah, I've been having that image out there. Yeah. So. And I, so there's, there's that. Yeah, I, I'm not mad at all. I, I appreciate it. And then also there's there's a couple of other cosplayers that that have done things after I did. And mm-hmm. I have had to check myself from from getting upset because, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, motherfucker, you could have you could have talked to me about that first. But no idea is 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 yours once you put it on the Internet. So, mm-hmm. you know, the way that I had to, like, talk to myself about it just so I wouldn't be like. The, the the petulant child that I had in my mind is like, you know, that's really jealous that someone else is getting attention for something that I gave them the idea for. I was like, well, mm-hmm. they're reaching people, they're reaching people that I, you know, will not be able to reach. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, you know, it's it's okay. You know, I've I've had to mm-hmm. grow into that. I've had to grow mm-hmm. a lot within growth within cosplay. So mm-hmm. um I accept that as 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 a mentality of somebody who was a little little bit more immature when it comes mm-hmm. to the situation. So mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's 
before we shift also into the body image aspect of it, why don't we talk a little more about your project from Kickstarter, which is the PSA. Right. Okay. So at the end of He-Man, at the end of, you know, GI Joe, you would have like a small PSA that would tell you, you know, that would basically like teach you a lesson based on what happened in the episode. Mm-hmm. The, the moral, moral message. Though. Right. Yeah. And in my mind, you know, I was sitting here thinking, you know, like I'm, I have this little boy and, you know, there's nothing on television that really represents his face, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it just, it was not something I thought about until I had to, I had to think of someone else other than myself. And, mm-hmm. and then like, it just, it kind of dawned on me, like, this is something that I know that I can get done because I know the right people. Um, and then if I don't know the right people now, I know who can get me to the right people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I hit up Oliver Banks, um, who is the um, owner and proprietor and, 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 uh, and leader of Art Monkey Animation. And it just so happened that he won an Emmy last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it, he had, it got mailed to him. And he's just like, oh, oh, you know, that, that kind of a cool guy, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I talked to him. I was like, listen, you know, I don't, because we had never really had a conversation beyond, you know, some, some comments on Facebook, you know, for like over the last couple of years. And I didn't know what he did until I saw some of his, his work, like mm-hmm. maybe like six or like four or five months prior. And, um, and it also like, he did a, a sticker for me. Like he did like mm-hmm. an illustration of my He-Man a couple years ago. So, you know, I talked to him, I was thinking, you know, I want to do this. I can put together that I can, I can do the Kickstarter situation. I just need to, you know, we just need to talk to people. He was like mm-hmm. behind it because he, mm-hmm. like, Shoot. he has his own projects that he wants to get off the ground. And I told him like, look, how about this? If we get a good amount of money to fund these PSAs, because he told me it was going to be a thousand dollars per 30 seconds of animation. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, so let's get a good five of these things done. If we raise mm-hmm. a good enough money about it for it, then let's fund your project. And um, which is imagine max. That's imagine max. Yes. Imagine max. And let's see if we can get some episodes put onto a streaming service. Just so happens he's friends best friends with a guy who owns a streaming service that is accessible via Roku TV and um, Amazon fire. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's called always press record television. And so we started this, this group chat between myself, Oliver and Travis uh, Lawson, and also uh, Richard Sutton. Richard Sutton is my, my man at arms. Mm-hmm. And he and I have been talking about doing like maybe kids books something with our images because mm-hmm. um, we did the Afropunk uh, uh, panel last year because everything was virtual. And when we did that panel, it was to talk about why we're approaching entities like Mattel and Hasbro, because they are the first entities to touch our children mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to influence. So mm-hmm. we can get them to have more influence and more, you know, black faces in their, in their, uh, in their media than maybe, those kids who are watching that stuff will grow up to be, you know, the police officers or the judges or whatnot. And it would be a little slower on the trigger, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit more lenient on the, on the sentences because they're used to seeing black faces. Mm-hmm. So Richard, Oliver and Travis and myself were in his group chat, basically coming up with ideas on how to present, you know, the Kickstarter and the PSA and stuff. And then I, I looped in my friend, um, Jason Richardson from J one con. And he had done a Kickstarter for his VT Heroes, which I'm also mm-hmm. um, a cosplayer for. Um, I'm VT White, by the way. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I, I asked him for his advice on how to get the Kickstarter to be successful as possible. And he told me I needed to start a month in advance before it mm-hmm. actually launched. So mm-hmm. I spent all of July <laughs> um, letting people know that this was going to be a thing. And that's when Oliver came up with a, a few images, you know, and then we came up with a couple memes and it just it got into the people's, you know, it got into their minds. Mm-hmm. And so by the time the Kickstarter launched um, on August 1st, it, um, we got funded in three hours, you know? So that 10,000, yeah, I just wanted a thousand dollars. I just wanted to do just the one PSA and then, you know, got the advice to keep the number low. I mean, sorry, keep the, the number low so that we can, you know, make sure that we get funded because with Kickstarter, mm-hmm. if you don't get all the money, then you get none of the money, right? you know? So we got funded in three hours and the goal was only a thousand dollars, but by the end of the Kickstarter, we ended up with Mm $20,155. So with all the vendors that I had, um, I've had 
you know, either make things of me or I've purchased mm-hmm. things from them. Um, you know, we paid them out and we got like, I think a total of $13,000. So, you know, we, that was a, that's a good enough money to get his project, get all of his projects started. Mm-hmm. And the goal right now is to get this first one done. I've already written a script for it. He's getting ready. He just started, he started the storyboarding process for it. Um, we want to get it out and we want to get as many eyes on it as possible mm-hmm. so that when we do start moving towards the, the, you know, that the, the last four or five of them, excuse me, people will be expecting them. Mm-hmm. And then we might get some more funding, you know, from people who can see what we're, what we're capable of. Mm-hmm. And then we will be able to create a Saturday morning cartoon block mm-hmm. on, on always press record television, because not only are we talking about Oliver Banks's uh, his IP, we're talking about five different comic book companies that are all black owned that I've talked mm-hmm. to who are just waiting for us to be done so they can jump in mm-hmm. and, and hopefully they can get the funding because we've got the platform. We've got the numbers, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. we got the talent. So it's mm-hmm. just about getting the money. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy to say that some of that money was mine too, because I helped uh, put some money into the Kickstarter, which is also what allowed you. me to make the contact <laughs> with you for this. Because when I okay. when it suddenly clicked on me after, because I'd gotten my um my uh Kickstarter reward, and it's like, wait a minute, I've got a direct line via this to contact you. And I had been thinking about as I started this podcast, how was I going to try and contact you i knew i'm following you on ig and it's like wait a minute this works <laughs> which is when i sent the request and the, the idea to you see i'm not that i'm not that cosplayer that mm-hmm. that does not respond to messages there's a lot of people out there for some odd reason like listen you're only instagram famous <laughs> 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 like just just we saw it yesterday if instagram and facebook go away who the fuck are you i mean mm-hmm. so don't don't get that big of a head where you think that just because you have a couple hundred thousand followers that you know you're not you know you're too good to just say hi to somebody all right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um yeah like i'm I'm never going to be that type of person because <laughs> you know my, my dad would be the first one to humble me you know mm-hmm. just you just don't do that to people all right well i think that's a good place for us to take a break So we're going to be hang on there for just a few moments. We're going to go step step away for the break and we're going to come back and talk more with Demetrius here uh, on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. We're here chatting with Demetrius Holt, a.k.a. Hellspawn Cosplay, a cosplayer who created the uh, Afro He-Man, or as many of us know, He-Man, at, in the uh, geek and nerd space. So one of the other th- reasons I definitely wanted to talk about with you as you had been very candid on your IG talking about the toll it also takes doing that physical sculpting to be able to carry off these characters, which are, let's be frank, some cases well outside of normal human proportions, depending on how the toys are made or how they're being drawn. 
and the sense of what that takes and affects you as a man, not being when you're not being these characters. And I think some of that got touched on with what you were saying earlier about how the partner you were with at that time had the issue with your He-Man versus your Sub-Zero form. Yeah. Um, so you don't know that you have something until you see other people say that they have it and then you start researching it yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the idea of body dysmorphia, um, I, I just thought that I needed to, um, to look a certain way for, for women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bullshit you, but, um, when I was growing up, like, you know, like the first thing I remember um, about, you know, what I would need to do in order to attract a woman was make sure that my my teeth were, were brushed. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother, that was also something else that, you know, my brother was like, he would say that, you know, you don't ever want to smoke, you know, cigarettes mm-hmm. or anything because it turn your teeth yellow and you like girls, right? I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's, that's, that was one thing that stuck in my mind. And then I remember I started getting you know, acne at one point, And my brother told me, he's like, because you're drinking all that soda. <laughs> you know, if you don't want to have problems, you know, attracting women, stop drinking soda. So I stopped drinking soda for like 15 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and when it came to, you know, looking fit or being fit, it really was to just be set apart from the rest of the pack in case, you know, I mm-hmm. a, a woman or something. Um, and as far as the bodybuilding part of all of this. Um, I got into bodybuilding because um, my ex-wife and I weren't, weren't working um, mm-hmm. on a level that I wanted to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was something that we had talked about in pre-marriage counseling and, um, and she didn't hold up her end on that. So, you know, I started thinking of different ways to, um, to attract her. Mm-hmm. And it was right after our wedding where she started bodybuilding. She started like mm-hmm. getting because she wanted to get fit for, for her wedding dress. And, mm-hmm. You know there was um. You know there was a gym in Columbia, Maryland called the Coliseum, and you know, everyone everyone around there looks like they're three weeks out. You know from, mm-hmm. from a show, you know six eight packs don't matter. You know they got it, mm-hmm. and she was there every Sunday morning for for posing practice, and I had not gone because you know that's her thing. The only thing because I was the one who was cooking at the house. So I just cooked, you know, I went mm-hmm. to the gym with her, you know, whatever, wasn't, wasn't a big deal. But when we weren't working on a level that I wanted us to work, I started thinking of different things that I could do to change that. Mm-hmm. And maybe there was a part of me that felt like I needed to have a six pack in order to attract my wife. So mm-hmm. that's when I jumped into bodybuilding with her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it didn't change. <laughs> Um, but that's why I got into it and I just stayed in it because it made me feel like I was, I was on a level to compete mm-hmm. with anybody, you know, mm-hmm. when you're, when you're walking around a building called the Coliseum or when you're on a stage and you are spray painted with, you know, with, 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 the, with, a with the spray tan, stuff, right. Yeah, you the know? spray tan. Yeah. You and then, like you know, you've been working out, you've been dieting, and then you finally get a chance to like show out. You know, it you you walk with you feel like you're walking with other gods. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely an ego trip. You know, it's definitely something that um that's a camaraderie thing because mm-hmm. all of us. I mean, I've, there's, I've got videos on Facebook where we were eating. You know, it was a um it was a food eating contest you know, with me and like the rest of the team, you know, mm-hmm. and we're just, I mean, I was the only like a uh, physique guy where there was like, actually like, you know, the bodybuilding uh, category and then, you know, the, um, the power lifters. And mm-hmm. so it was like that, that, that group mentality was so, you know, I mean, even the women were, were all on that same level and it was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, there's a level of, ego that goes along with your body because it's yours you know mm-hmm. and, and you know that it's attractive and you know whatever so um when you have to or when you find yourself in a position where you're not able to work out mm-hmm. and you know you start getting soft you start getting 
start getting smaller and start getting a little flab in places, uh, you write it off in your mind as, oh, I'm just bulking. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just eating everything I need to eat so I can get bigger, get big season. And then the pandemic hit and you can't get that weight off. <laughs> well, you don't have the same access to the equipment that you use to get your, that weight off as well. No, you don't. And then I don't believe in weights at home because mm-hmm. it just, it's just clutter. You know, it just, it's just, and I don't like a whole lot of clutter. So the idea of me just expanding and losing my wind, you know, and then just feeling mm-hmm. flabby. It just, it, it really did make me feel like I was not worthy to mm-hmm. really be outside, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, like, cause by this time, the pandemic, I was, I've been He-Man for what, damn near three years. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, like, I, how can He-Man be chubby? Especially mm-hmm. when he, he presented himself to be something not mm-hmm. chubby. And then mm-hmm. I don't want to body shame anybody. That, that whole, you can't really talk about it without offending somebody, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm going to talk about this because I need to talk about it, because I need to get it off my chest and let, you know, let folks know that, you know, this shit is fake, man. Like, you know, having the abs all the time, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, not, that's not something that is realistic 24 seven, unless that's all you do mm-hmm. for your life. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just really hard to not feel like I got to, like I have an event at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to be He-Man and I am struggling um, cause I was sick for three weeks. Like I caught my son's cold and it took me down and, um, I lost 13 pounds in like two or three weeks. And mm-hmm. I, it just, now I am fighting to try to gain weight so I can add muscle that I lost. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm worried, um, about the end of the month cause I'm flying in, um, Claudex cosplay and mm-hmm. uh, Michael uh, Greatness Johnson, you know, one is a, a seasoned veteran bodybuilder who, you know, he looks like he's three weeks out. And then the other one is a 20-something, you know, um, competitor and ninja warrior and teaches, you know, children, you know, strength, you know, strength. Uh, uh, strength training. Uh, strength training, yeah. And so he's always big. You know what I mean? He's, uh, I'm just like, I'm the one that's getting these people here and mm-hmm. my name is on the, on the, on the, on the banner. And I'm not, I'm not up to snuff. Like I'm looking at this magazine cover and I just, I just know that I don't look like that right now. And it's, it's bothering me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> no. And that's very much honest that it is. And I would say that's one of the things that when we talk about the idea of the body image, body image, shaming, body dysmorphia, it's easier to be seen when we talk about women and the idea of being either the model thin or size zero. But when it comes to men, most people don't even think about that. We have that same image issue in this case. Can we look like we did when three years ago before this pandemic, the stress around trying to maintain that image. Uh, I know when we were sort of planning this, I mentioned there was a documentary. I couldn't remember what the title was and I did a little research. It's called Quest of the Muscle Nerd, which talked about the start of a physique uh, cosplay muscle uh, show that came at Dragon Con, I believe, and also around 2017. Mm. Um, it is on both Amazon and YouTube if people are looking for it. And it's I mean, an interesting experience that they, they talk about there. But again, as a therapist, also, as I'm listening to them talk about their experiences, their self-identity, I can hear the stuff that there's the self-esteem issues that are coming up in there. And they're subtle. But again, you don't know what you're listening for. And this sense of this body image that for many of us, takes a lot of dedication to get to but some of us will never have and we see ourselves as less because of that and that too much like the what we're talking about the representation of our uh skin and ourselves in it also comes up too about what is the idealized bodily body we see when we are looking at these things the usually toned fitness or extremely muscular characters 
And how does that also play as men with our sense of who we are? You know, there's that, that old meme where it's got Barbie and He-Man standing next to one another. And mm-hmm. the Barbie one is like, you know, women have, you know, have to live up to this sense of like, this is what, the, what women are supposed to look like. And mm-hmm. like men will never understand it. And then the idea is like, this is He-Man. You know what I mean? Like, so he mm-hmm. has to, like, that's what men of this generation have, have grown up in the back of their minds with, you know, that image, you know? So I can't, I can't speak for every man out there. No. The only one I can speak of is for myself and the pressure of making sure that I, I look like a certain, a certain, a certain way for a character is only coming now when it's not, has not been a natural situation for me to be mm-hmm. in the gym and mm-hmm. where I have been ill, you know, and I'm not mm-hmm. sick often. Like I get sick, like maybe once every six or seven years mm-hmm. and, that this and this time it just happened in a very, very bad timing. And you know, like I'm, I'm in between the time that I have with my son and the time I get home from work, um, because sometimes I don't get home from work until mm-hmm. like nine, you mm-hmm. know, and um, and my gym closes at 10, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm trying to get at least 10 to 15 minutes of cardio in and try to lift a little bit and then try to sleep. And then when mm-hmm. you can't sleep because you're worried about so many other things, you know. Mm-hmm. It comes a lot. <clears throat> yeah, that is. And there's that illusion that we all struggle with that you've got it going on, but in reality, you're just as human as the rest of us. And you're struggling and need the help just as much as everyone else does. Yeah, well, if I don't get it done, it won't get done. So I got to do it. And you do what you can. But at the core of that, as you said, time with your son, which is also very important and is part of what inspired you to do this PSA. And that is, I'll be frank, you have the power. Yeah, well, there's just, there's so much more that's going on. And mm-hmm. it's more than wielding a sword. Yeah, mm. much more than wielding a sword or having that image with everything that you are creating with this project. That's why I say you have the power. It's a team effort. You know, mm-hmm. it can't, it can't be, can't be done by one person. So, you yeah. know, I'm glad I got Oliver and Trevius and Richard, Nikki and Isan. You know, we have a pretty good team of folks that are, that are getting mm. it done. And, um, you know, because they know how important it is for everyone else too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's not all on me and I know that I have great people around me. So, you know, it, this is, this is something for everybody and everyone's going to be able to benefit from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of your PSAs right there. <laughs> well, so mm-hmm. oh, I've got, well, I'm blessed. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was about to say, um, why don't we go ahead and get into the uh, myths and reality as well? Because I think this is a nice segue into the standpoint of you with also what you've been candid on IG. What do you think are one of the myths that we deal with as BIPOC people when it comes to our mental health? And especially as a man. That that we can get through it by ourselves Mm -hmm. without having to talk about it. Mm -hmm. that's a huge myth. Mm-hmm. Man. I don't know. Um, you see, I started therapy um, at the beginning of this year, you know, because there's a lot of things that have happened over the last couple of years within cosplay. And, mm-hmm. You know, and also, you know, the fact that I have this little boy, you know, and I'm not with his mother. So there's that issue altogether. Mm-hmm. Um the idea of, of, of having someone that is unbiased and um, not a part of any circle that I'm a part of, mm-hmm. you know, cause I've had that whole idea thing or I've had a whole thing where, you know, people have betrayed my trust where I thought I could vent to them and then bad things happen because I told the wrong person. So the idea of having a therapist is, was <laughs> one of necessity. So, um, yeah, you know, at first I was doing every week and then we just went to at the beginning of 
at the beginning of September, we went to every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I want to say that's like some level of progress, some mm-hmm. level of uh, self-awareness mm-hmm. and one, being able to take some responsibility for my own actions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also realizing what's not my fault and what's not within my, my control. Um, but the biggest thing that I've been learning about it, about myself is that um, my, my anger and my frustrations um, don't have to control me as much as they have. Um, I can now <laughs> ask myself reasonable questions about a situation to prevent myself from thinking of something more negative than what was actually the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that eases some of the, the struggles that I have. But, you know, you can only do but so much. Mm-hmm. And that's when we look to the team, which in many cases, just to use the, what we're talking about, as a therapist, I become man-at-arms. Yeah. I become Tila. I become Gringer. I can, and I'm suddenly blanking on a couple of the others, Roboto, <laughs> if we're sticking with the uh, whole, whole He-Man metaphor. And then that sometimes you need one of us to step in to be one of those characters. To be part of that team. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's hard asking for help mm-hmm. because, you know, you're supposed to be the one that has it all together, you know, and when you don't, you don't really have an explanation as to why, mm-hmm. you know, so it's really difficult to, the thing is I don't come up with excuses. I come up with reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents always taught me to, before I came with the, came to them for a problem, to have three solutions to the problem. So therefore, mm-hmm. if I mm-hmm. ever came to them, that means I actually attempted to, to work at it. Mm-hmm. And um, now when people ask me why something didn't work out, you know, I, it's really hard to admit that I failed somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, but then I fail all the time, you mm-hmm. know, and it's just that not everyone knows about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which is one of the true the un, unrealized truths of any of the superheroes we're seeing because i mean just to be frank if you look at any of the superhero shows that are on now even the movies we've just recently had none of these heroes are ever actually alone in doing any of these things no they there's have always, a support team yeah there's always a there's always someone to like, there's a man in a chair or, you know, a man in a van type deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is the thing, which is that aspect that a hero is not just one individual. It is a group. It is a team. Yeah. Some might bear a certain more weight than others. Some yeah. might be the public face, but there is a team behind that person helping them do this. I think whenever you forget the team, you've, you've, you've lost everything. Mm-hmm. You know, because now you're out there by yourself and, you know, being out there by yourself is lonely mm-hmm. as shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. there's no one else out there to, to like, not just like, you know, give you a helping hand, but to, to lean on when, when things do go bad, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, you can't ever forget the team. Mm-hmm. Well, I think on that note, we should go ahead and wrap up. So are there any other place things you want to announce or other ways that people can follow you and continue to help cheer you on and remind you, you do have that power. Well, um, when this will release on the 18th, right? Yeah. I'm setting it okay. for, for, for the 18th as the point. This will be episode okay. number three. Episode number three. Okay. So um, on October 30th, if you're in the Washington DC area, um, Northeast DC, look up the harvest fest. 2021. I'll be there hosting it with several other cosplayers um, from Philadelphia, Texas, and Georgia. Um, and it should be a good time. You know, it's all, mm-hmm. you know, there's, I think, I think they play Candyman at the end of the movie, I mean, at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, a, there's a haunted hayride and, you know, a trunk, trunk retreat, you know, other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this also, the, the 22nd to the 23rd, no, I'm sorry, October 23rd to 24th. Is Afro Comic Con, which is a mm-hmm. hybrid convention mm-hmm. um, that is both in person and virtual. 
Um, I'll be, I'm one of the judges and also one of the spokespeople for the convention, but I'm one of the judges for the cosplay contest. So um, if you actually go to my Instagram of a uh, Hellspawn cosplay, uh, Hellspawn underscore cosplay, uh, you'll see some of the, the posts that I have that has all of the information on it, all the links on there. Um, damn. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of things that I can't really talk about yet because mm-hmm. they haven't been released yet. And I am anxiously waiting for them to come out because those are supposed to be really fantastic projects. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. maybe oh. you will. Maybe we can come have you on a, have on another occasion. You can talk about that too. Yeah, um, and also like you know, just 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 hang out and wait for the the PSAs. We are, mm-hmm. you know, we're working on the first one. I've got the script done for that one, and the audio mm-hmm. is done for that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I could play the audio for that one now if you don't mind. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time because okay, just to, but you know what we do? Let's plan an episode two. Okay, and we do that. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, and. Uh, yeah uh people mental health is super important and Mm -hmm. you need to take the time to have a little bit of Mm self-care okay demetrius i thank you as well and i look forward to our episode two of this or shall we say part two and uh this is uh my name is perry clark i'm a licensed marriage and family therapist uh this is our pod my podcast untying knots minds and souls untethered here on the voice of american network so stay tuned for our next episode in two weeks Just a little addendum to the end of the episode. Unfortunately, both Demetrius and I had to run because we had both other meetings and appointments that we needed to get to. But he was able to send me the audio that he was talking about. And so I've asked that it be put on to the end here so you get a chance to hear it. Now, this is a rough audio. They are still working on getting it more polished. But just so you can hear, this is the audio for one of the first PSAs, public service announcements, that are being connected with their He-Man program. So please enjoy and share. There are many faces to a hero. One's worthiness is not found in shades or features, but their actions in life. The world is an ever-changing landscape, and we want you to know that heroes that look like you exist. They are working to make tomorrow a better place for you. Be strong and at peace with the idea that you are the future. You are the new black heroes to lead the way. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.